What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Thanks for tuning in to the Boner Planet Podcast. Watch the full video exclusively on Carbon TV. This show is brought to you by Tinks, Scent Crusher, Camp Chef, and Cat Work Truck. Victory Archery and Thorn Broadheads. Cobra Archery and Shadowhunter Blinds. Burris Optics and Reveal Cellular Trail Camps. HHA and HHA USA. Additional support by Under Armour and Deer Camp Coffee. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bowhunter Planet Podcast. Tonight, myself, Tim Mazarana, Dave Thomas, Jamie the Boom Boom Note Boom, Jay Dumas, and our special friend. Well, uh, maybe that came out the wrong way. Our friend <laughs> that is special, Adam Miller from Bowhunter Chronicles. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'd be special friends with any of you. <laughs> there we go man there we go i love it man so we we actually it, it's kind of nice to have you on i know that we kind of joined you um on your own podcast you know a little while ago and uh, wanted to wanted to have you on ours and kind of have a good conversation about uh what's going on and uh if you don't mind give us a quick update background on you know boner planet chronicles and what's going on over there for you guys yeah uh, so or yeah. Bow Hunter Chronicles. Yeah, you know, it just Hunter rolls Chronicles. off the tongue. You know, you see it's it, your it show. Rolls. You can call it whatever you he's like. Trying to switch. Uh, he's trying to come up with another one. Well, yeah. he's, he's recruiting. Uh, this is Wait, a charter to piss for, the test. Adam's plan. working for us now. Yeah. <laughs> You're a jerk. Um, so, real easy for me. Um, it, I'm the world's worst bow hunter. So, uh, we started this because everybody had these podcasts uh, back in 2017, end of 17, when we started. And nobody was talking about not killing anything. Everybody was talking about killing these big deer on these big farms and all this. And, you know, when you talk about a regular guy hunting, um, you know, everybody thinks of that five acres or their food plot or, or whatever. Everybody likes to watch big deer being killed. That's all well and good, but if you don't have the farm or you don't have uh, access to that, it's real easy to become discouraged by what you see. So we just decided that we wanted to learn along with the listener and uh, not unlike yourselves, uh, we got to talk to on the podcast, lots of guys that kill big deer on, uh, on a regular basis. And I mean, and that's really why I brought you guys on the show uh, a few weeks ago is because that, that, that's who we were trying to target was uh, these guys that kill big deer that know what they're doing. That's and, us. Uh, <laughs> I feel the sarcasm and I love it. But the delivery was good. Delivery was good. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. So, so how long have you guys been doing it for? You said 2017. Yeah. It's 17. I think is when we started end of 17, beginning of 18, something like that. So it's been a, it's been a while. Seems like, forever we're coming up on 200 episodes or so and we, like That's the first awesome. year i think we did 36 38 episodes and i think last year we did 50 so i mean it was pretty much weekly until you get into the rut or the holidays or something like that yeah so what have been some of your favorite topics well for us it's interesting because for us it's mostly public land guys who um go out and kill big deer um, however, one of the guys I talked to most recently has probably been one of the more interesting guys. 
Joe Miles. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He was on Adam Hayes's Team 200. Um, he hunts small farms, big farms. He was a guide uh, in Africa out of college, and he went and he's really hardcore bow hunting. Kind of uh, gone away from the industry. He's got a clothing line now, um, but he's doing a YouTube series just about um, like gear reviews and stuff like that. Like trying to be completely unbiased, taking the industry out of it. But for a guy to test broadheads and things, who's actually shot at these big game animals in Africa with mechanical broadheads, with fixed blade broadheads, had to track them. Had, you know, there isn't a whole lot of people that have that level of experience and can talk about it without saying, oh, my sponsor, I'm sponsored by Rage or I'm sponsored by whoever. You know, he's going down there and doing it on his own and using his you know, 20 or 30 years of experience to kind of back up everything that he says. So that's one of the more interesting ones. I mean, they're, they're all, everybody has their own, but I mean, actually, and this is not um, lip service or anything, but I've been getting some really good, I mean, I had two people today tell me that the episode I did with you guys was great. So um, ultimately it serves the listener because I'm asking questions as the world's worst bow hunter. So it's very, uh, disarming when somebody comes in. I'm not trying to be something that I'm not, right? I love it, man. No, it's just great. I, because I, I, it's funny that you call yourself that because internally I call Dave Jamie, not Jay. <laughs> Jay's actually really good, but David yeah, Jamie right. as well, you know. We all know so Jamie's the one, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, I can get my camera turned around here. Come on, not that bad. <laughs> so I'm so good. I got a picture. That's what I have. Somebody drew that. (laughs) I just got a bow. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Adam, so what, so do you guys, are are you a big hunter yourself? Like, are you able to, with work and life and all that kind of stuff, really get out yourself and hunt as much as you want to throughout the year? Yeah, I I would say so. I mean, it's, it's different. I've got, uh, a six-year-old now and my wife she wants to do all these camping and vacations and all that stuff but and Sounds familiar to but yeah. yeah i mean it's it's everybody's story and you know doing the podcast and that's one of the interesting things talking about people in the industry is like there's a lot of people who that's their busy time of year so they don't get to hunt and we're like no that's not the that's not the case it's, it's a, the podcast is hard because a lot of the guys that you want to talk to are hunting so you're you're either recording in a truck or you're, you know, you're doing a lot of different things to make it happen. But I mean, and to make things worse, and I've, I've been better the last couple of years. Um, my daughter's birthday is September 28th. So we're all in Michigan and October 1st is, you know, our opening day. And my wife's birthday is November 8th, which, oh man, oh, oh, man. For the entire time, so I'm. I'm That's one of my favorite days to hunt, man. That's not good. (laughs) So I'm. I'm really truly blessed in the fact that when I walked in to meet my uh, future father-in-law, I walked into Ace Ventura's room of death. Right, like what a lovely (laughs) room of death you have. And it was all, you know, basket rack bucks and all this. So I just say, you know, hey, he came down and he was doing the the dad thing, you know chest puffed up like hey uh, and i'm like oh you hunt and he's like oh, obviously and i said you kill all these with a 
with a bow or a gun? And he says, Great question. With a bow. And he says, Do you hunt? And I said, Yeah, we've got 240 acres up in the UP. And he just put his arm around me and said, Welcome to the family. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's been really great for me because you know, he was never home on my wife's birthday. So if I'm with her dad, then I've got kind of like yeah, an out. So, there you go. So, Get out of jail free card. I've been getting some brownie points the last couple of years. I think the last two years, maybe I've been home uh, for her birthday, but probably the last 10 prior to that. I mean, it was, I'm calling her from, you know, the only place that I get service in the Hills of Ohio, like, Hey honey, sorry. You know, we didn't have service. I didn't want to call you at five in the morning. So it's eight o'clock at night. Have hope you had a great birthday. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, I mean, like for example, this past year, I didn't, uh, I had, I didn't have a very good season per se bow hunting. Um, I went and did a first rifle elk hunt in Colorado. And that was more of a, I wanted to go and do the trip with my dad. We did a spike camp out there and that ate up 11 days, you know, October, I don't know, 11th through 22nd, 23rd, somewhere in there. Uh, I took three days and went to Wisconsin, uh, hunted. And that was, you know, with a kid, I took my daughter trick-or-treating, put her to bed, left at 1030, drove through the night, showed up in Wisconsin, slept for, I got there at 530. The guys that I was meeting there got up and hunted. I slept for three hours, got up and went and hunted. And I got five sits in, in Wisconsin, seen some bucks, could have killed a really small a point And, uh, then drove back home and that's those were the vacation days that i had and i hunted pretty hard around here hit a small buck um passed on a bunch of deer because I, sh I shot an elk out on that trip but while i was waiting in the in the interim the like my elk had um cwd so i wasn't supposed to eat it so i was passing deer because i had a freezer full of meat and then now i'm not supposed to eat it it was just it was yeah. just a mess but it's a cluster i mean yeah for sure but but when you talk about hunting i mean that's that's the way that it goes so this year um, I changed things up a little bit. I uh, went, already went and scouted down in Ohio, Ohio messed up their season a little bit. I feel like they put it right closer to Michigan's it's opening up the weekend prior to Michigan season. I wanted to hunt down there early and then their season goes until like, um, the middle of February. So I'll give you yeah. a few more, few more days, another month to hunt. Um, so that's how I'm trying to, to balance it out. I think the last four years I've went elk hunting. Eight, yeah i think I, I don't think i've missed a year elk hunting in the last four years so that eats up some time so we are um you know springtime in the in the uh, midwest area and uh, what about turkey you a big turkey hunter at all so i wasn't um but my father-in-law again so with my dad my, my grandpa hunted turkeys a little bit but not to the level you know that we do now my father-in-law was really big into it right when turkeys started to make their comeback in um in michigan he called for rod benson game calls right out of the gate there so he would go around and do all the shows do all the demos so he, he was really big into it he can call i mean just ridiculous and so from that i've i've killed a bunch of turkeys um since we started doing the podcast we started hunting them with bows everybody's killed one i've missed a whole bunch i missed one last year at seven steps with a long bow um yeah, just okay. messing around like it, it, it's not hanging with a gun isn't exciting for me at all because he's so good at calling and i've i've called in enough of them with a gun um uh, but like the first year 
uh, I shot the decoy, shot, uh, shot one through, <laughs> shot him through the wings, stuck the arrow to the decoy, uh, missed another one, no blind. Um, the following year, I, I missed uh, Jake twice the year prior to that, maybe. Um, year after that, uh, I crawled like 200 yards through this field, put one right through the wickets on this turkey. <laughs> I mean, I, I've missed them just about every way that you can you can miss them with a bow. So, but it's so much more fun. And if that was a deer or if it was a 150 or if it was something like that, I would be devastated. You know, you'd be kicking yourself, but these are, these are turkeys. I know I'm going to have another opportunity. And I mean, it's just about the fun and being out there and, and doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Jamie can definitely relate. <laughs> we were just Got talking he. about that. It's uh, funny. Take the legs out. It. Take the legs out. <laughs> We call yeah, Dave the so. 10 percenter because he hits 10 percent of the animals he shoots at. <laughs> well, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. So, right. yeah, Come on. there you go. All right. The other, the other 10 percent we can't find. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the bright side, we're working on our tracking skills. So that's, that's right. You know, I don't know how well it's working, but there's it's always an working. upside. <laughs> it's all there's always there's a learning curve, and we've been on the bottom part of that for the longest time, guys. No. Yeah, mine are, been, mine are on video, so that's really fun. What's been the most hard, most hardest challenging thing for you with this podcast in your mind, at least with the industry or, or how it works, the business of it? Like what has been in your mind the hardest thing that you, you find to be the most tricky or thing you don't like the most about, about what you're doing with the podcast? I think like at the beginning, it was a war of attrition. So you, maybe you start and you have like these visions of grandeur, you think the way that it's gonna go or the way that it's supposed to go. And then, I mean, I'm not a tech guy at all. So you do, I mean, there's a couple of them. Like, so I scheduled a whole bunch of, I mean, it took, I felt like forever to schedule a podcast with Jason Phelps to talk about elk calling and all that. He's in the middle of nowhere washington or idaho wherever he was at the time and lost half of the audio it's like well, how do you do that again trent fisher from born and raised same thing he's he's in oregon i schedule the podcast i do everything everything right you know there's a five hour four hour difference or whatever on on the, the time he calls me at nine in the morning our time and he's like, Hey, are we going to do this? And he's like, I thought you were talking 9 a.m. And yeah. so it's like five in the morning. So he's up, you know, trying to do a podcast with me. And I'm like, Dude, I'm at work. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and, and so it's just like all of that, yeah. like buffoonery on my part, you know, that nobody gets to see. And then, you know, on again, like when you start out and you don't haven't built relationships or they're, it's really hard going. Um, and, and I think that that's why even at the time when I started and there was a boom of podcasts, there's millions of them. And then they did five episodes or 10 episodes and then they stopped. It was simply for that reason. It was like, man, this is really a lot of work. And, you know, once, just like anything, like once you make it part of your routine, like this is just the way that it is. I mean, this is the second of three that I have this week. And so I just tell the family like, Hey, you're going to go to bed you're going to chill out. I'm going to go in the basement. And like, this is, this is what happens. You know, this is a busy week, but you know, you, you make time and it just becomes part of the routine, but getting over that hump of 
where it seems like it's a ton of work and you're, you're really pressing like now. And just like you guys, I'm sure, you know, you have so many friends in the industry and guys that hunt and guys that you, you know, you might text people like on a daily basis that people really would love to talk to or like whatever. And these are guys that you're, you know, sending memes back and forth or like, you know, busting their balls, but you just create those relationships. So if you don't have a guest or you you're hurting for something, you know, there's a myriad of people that you can call, but prior to that, like, and it was like, what are we going to do this week? Oh my God. Like, it's such a mess, so much work. And I think that was the most, that was the most difficult part of it, uh, you know, starting out. Yeah. No, we started off like that too. Right. Then you, you, after a few episodes, you're trying to raise those levels of episodes. Then you just notice like, are we kind of talking about the same thing we've been talking about? <laughs> then you want to kind of get a guest in there and break it. Yeah, I did. That was, that was fun. Well, David, David and I did th- like four or five that first, we're like, let's do a podcast. We sat at hump camp and just knocked them out. <laughs> I kind of find yeah. it's like, you know, we, we tried to set a schedule, um, every like right now it, it was, it's been different times, but we've been trying to go like every Wednesday night, five to nine or something like that. And, and to be honest, doing it that way has kind of become like, uh, like a, a ritual, almost like a fun time for us to get together anyway. So like, in order for us to do a podcast at the same time, I mean, it's like kind of like no big deal for us now because we scheduled this time together regardless. So if if you're on or someone else is on, it's it becomes a little bit more intriguing because you can you can learn something as well, right? We already know each other very well, of course, but it, uh, you know, having a guest on allows us to just kind of pick at different items like that you know we want to learn about. But also, you know, again, it's like a hunt camp to us. So like at one point we would meet before COVID, we'd meet in the studio every Thursday night, all of us. And it was great. And we sit down and do a, but then we, then we found that this, this format became a little bit better because of these cameras and the way that you can get everybody's face on camera at once. Whereas before it was such a challenge to like film the whole thing and then find a way to edit that down. And we've always been good at audio video, more video than audio. So for us, it's always going to be a visual uh, podcast, no matter what, because that's just what we do. And so that's where, you know, having that kind of hunt camp all year round every week has been kind of fun, to be honest. I don't know. No, it is. It is. And it, it is. It is a struggle. Like Jamie said, um, you know, to find those topics when all we, we when we first started, it was almost exclusively internal podcasts, right? We would sit around and talk to each other and figure out topics and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, all right, guys, like we would sit there and we'd spend 20 minutes just trying to figure out what are we actually going to talk about on this one, you know? And it, it got harder and harder as time went on. So we ended up bringing in interviewees and doing it that way a little bit more. And it does, it breaks it up. It makes it easier for us to have a conversation, Adam, you know, with you on the, with you on the call and all that kind of stuff, rather than us having to talk to each other all the time, which we don't, don't get me wrong. We love to do. We actually, we had one that uh, just canceled before we had you. And instead of just sitting there and not doing one, we did an internal one. It was great because I haven't talked to Jay or Jamie about, you know, what's going on with them hunting wise, you know, coming up in the springtime, we even talked about a little bit of fishing and all that kind of stuff. So it is a good time to talk about the topics. And, and like you said, there's those humps, right? It's those humps. You got to get over those humps and get your flow. And then once you get it, it, uh, it seems to get easier, but mentally 
but it really doesn't from like a work standpoint, right? It actually, to me, gets a little bit harder as time goes on because you're always think you're always tweaking things, you're always changing things, trying to make it a little bit better, and that's where that's where the hard work work still kicks in. Right, but there's so many nice, good people in this industry, man. I I remember I saw Hannah Barron, right, when she had ten thousand followers catching like noodling for catfish. I'm like, I I got like this chick's badass. I got to talk to this chick. And then we set her up and her dad came on. It was a great podcast. And I mean, obviously it's because of us that she blew up so much. <laughs> That's the only but, reason I'm on here. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, like the shockies, I remember the Jim Shockey one, Tim, oh, were yeah. you on that one? Yeah, I like, sure was. His, his, he was supposed to be on with us and, uh, he, you know, his publicist or whatever, his manager had it set up and we called him. He's like, yeah. I'm like, Hey, this is Boner player. He's like, okay. It's like, uh, like, what am I doing? Po- yeah, we got a podcast today. He's like, uh, apparently, I'm on my boat, but let's go. <laughs> They've all been super cool, Ted. Like, it was. Well, been- that's kind of like what you were saying, Adam. Right? It's like, you know, it, it the, the 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 um the time zone thing, right? The time zone thing, and people. We've done plenty of interviews with guys sitting in their trucks. You know, they're like, oh yeah, I, I thought it was actually you know six o'clock my time. So let me. Let me find a parking lot here. I'll pull over, and then they put their, you know, their cell phone cameras up, and we still, we still end up recording it. But um, it, it's always interesting, always different every week. So, yeah, I've been doing. Um, also, I do um, interviews for this thing we put together through COVID, which is the Vitals Live. So we do live podcasts with like all these experts: Dan Infall, Andy May, John Eberhart. But they're in a webinar format where guys come on and they can ask questions. We can bring them on through video or whatever. And so like Troy Fowler, the ranch fairy, right? He was in camp in North Dakota with all the tethered guys in the hunting public. And they're, you know, underneath this like easy up and he's got his phone up. He's he's doing his thing. You know, uh, Zach from the hunting public, we did a Turkey one with him and he's like, I couldn't get back. We were, we were hunting. And he's like literally running down the, the road with his cell phone. And he's like, I just came from McDonald's. Like, you know, <laughs> like it's fine. What, what kind of Turkey questions can I answer? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, you, you build those relationships and the guys are like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I'd love to do it. But you know, they're, they're people too. Right. No. Yeah. It's, it's that work-life balance for sure. Um, you know, there's been, been plenty of that. I remember one with uh, Jules McQueen from, carbon tv and and she was out hunting and she literally just got back like still in camos and all that kind of stuff and and sat down on the on the uh, hunt camp couch and had a conversation with us so it was uh it was a good time man um so this season how's it been going for you so far well i mean we're i've got turkeys like it's going to be fish in a barrel this year like same as last year same turkeys i missed I mean, I got them on camera. They're big. <laughs> they're, they're all the ones that I missed last year. And uh, I, I just want to give them a chance this year, but I'm going, you, you know, uh, compound, big, giant, broadhead um, body shot as far as turkeys for deer. Um, you know, so like I alluded to in the beginning, we've got 240 acres in the UP Cedar Swamp. It's a seven, eight hour drive. I mean, it's taken us, you know, in the, you go up after Thanksgiving, as soon as you get to Gaylord or, or anywhere up there, you know, it's the snow belt and it might take 10, 12 hours to get up there, you know, and cross the bridge. We've had the bridge closed. And so we've never really done any management up there at all. 
And um, with, I hadn't been up there in three or four years, went up there over Thanksgiving uh, with my daughter and then all my nieces and nephews. And it's really grown up and there wasn't all the blinds don't, they, they need work. Um, but, but I started to put some cell cams out there. Now we've got the, you know, some of the Tacticam reveals with the solar panels that actually I can get, you know, video from there with our podcast. We're working with Lucky Buck and you can still use some of that stuff up there. So we're going to try to pay more attention up there. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about getting bear on camera up there. I've got, uh, I think this year I'll have like five points um, and we've got bear on the property. So that'll be cool to kill one up there. I think that'll probably be next year. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And then I've like, I don't know if I said already, but I've already been to Ohio scouting once this year. I'm going to go back um, probably in July and check the one couple cameras that we've got out, put a couple more out and, and kind of figure that out. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for the, for the upcoming season, but. In Ohio, know, are you on state land or are you on private land, lease land? Public land. We, public mean, land? Yeah. Outside of what uh, I've got in the UP, we don't hunt. My father-in-law picked up a few pieces in Ohio. Okay. Um, he he's like, like I said, he's like Grizzly Adams, but he's very. Uh, I mean, J Jamie's met him over at yeah. uh, one of the th yeah. the deals we did over there in Lake Orion. But he, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys that has a lot of charisma and like whatever. So he he's got some properties down there that he's hunting, but we basically only hunt public land. So it's yeah, all. I've been wanting to do that. I've been wanting to get down to Ohio and explore some of the uh, public down there. And I think a lot of people in Michigan, though, they have the idea um and big dreams of hunting in ohio because it's so hard to hunt here in michigan the deer are so pressured there's so many hunters and um ohio just seems to produce you know really nice bucks you know so the terrain's a little different it's and it's not that far right so <clears throat> for the eight hours you're going to the up eight hours down into ohio you're you're scoring on some really nice areas to hunt for sure yeah 2014 um i think it was 14 I kill it. We didn't have it officially scored. We just, you know, green scored it when we got it back in the truck. And then we literally drank 118 beers. Cause that's all the beers that we had in the camp on that day. Um, but it was, it, it was one fifty and five eights wow. green. And you know, that, that was yeah, really that's... lucky. It was a deer we had seen the year before to the day and, uh, kind of the same deal got out of work six o'clock, seven o'clock drove down got into we weren't even into the cabin that we were staying at yet stayed in a hotel slept for two hours went got up went to walmart bought a tag i was in the stand at 7 7 15 i shot this deer and wow, uh, that's awesome found him the next day um so it's a funny story because i am the world's worst bow hunter and this is just the way that it works um i i had already missed a, a deer earlier in the year i tried to um feather a shot through shooting swacker broadheads and those little tits took my arrow 90 degrees and just exploded at nine point wow, up yeah. in northern michigan um but i had a frontal shot in this deer at like 15 yards and i didn't take it i was at full draw i waited and then i tried to feather it through the stuff and you know the rest is history so we get down there this is the same deer from the year before that uh, you know my buddy had seen and uh, he came in he's 14 yards and you know when deer do that tense up and they start to back up um like whether it was thermals or what it was but he knew something was up and i was already at full dry put it on the white patch here shot so my dad 
when I was growing up, always told the story of one of his buddies shooting one of the biggest bucks that he'd ever seen in his life in the antlers, right? He, he said, we drew back and it's all he saw was, was antlers and put it right through the, the wickets there. Well, so I shoot this deer, it wheels and it's got, you know, 12 inches of arrow sticking out. And I'm like, I shot him in the face. Look, I'm, I shot him in the face. And this, I mean, this deer, I mean, I don't know what it is, 20 plus on the inside. It's as wide as my shoulders. Wow. Um, but, and I'm like, it's the biggest deer I've ever seen in my whole life. And he takes off and I, he's turning and I can just see the arrow. And I'm like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> and so we're, we got waited a couple hours, went and got my buddy. And it, we were just whooped, you know, like I said, we'd slept two hours, you know, we're in the mountains of Ohio, Southeast Ohio, and, uh, you know, tracked it for half a mile or so. And, you know, ran out, we didn't run out of blood, but it, we just ran out of gas and this deer was going up. So that wasn't a good thing. Um, it was a more of an, it was a low percentage shot, but it was a, it was more of an equipment problem. Like I was shooting rage extremes out of a like 58 pound bow and so i didn't really have the kinetic energy and i with that frontal angle shot it didn't i didn't get a pass through it went all the way down into the cavity but the deer just filled up with blood Mm -hmm. so next day we go hunt we're gonna hunt until you know nine ten o'clock and then get down and start looking again and my buddy's hunting 500 yards from me back the opposite way not the way that the deer went none of that and uh, he's got some deer coming on the draw. They start blowing, take off. All of a sudden, he hears something that sounds like a bear, like <laughs> all sorts of nasty stuff. And he's like, what in the world is that? Here comes some more deer down this draw. And, and they take off. The wind's wrong. He actually got down, went to the truck, changed his clothes because he thought, you know, they must be catching my wind. There's got to be something. And on his way back, he's like, I'm going to walk down there. And he said, there was this little body sticking out of the this creek with like one little point sticking out and he's like this can't be the deer that adam shot like it's there's no way and uh, but the just the the haunches were out just like one little thing and the the coyotes that's what it was those coyotes were were, were chewing on it he goes in there pulls it out and just he's like no. oh my god and there's i mean <laughs> it was just luck i mean just pure yeah. pure luck but Wow, that was crazy. the second or third year that we'd hunted down in Ohio and um, killed great deer down there every year. Somebody in our camp, but we saw a lot more bucks. Buck to doe ratio was different. Um, you know, run into a bunch of guys when you go down there, ruckation type stuff. But um, it's way different from where we're at. So we're in West Michigan. So when you get down in Jackson County and down towards, you know, Southern Michigan, Southeast Michigan, and even now some of the stuff we're in the APR zones up Lake County around there, you know, there's some big deer coming out of there, but mm-hmm. Ohio's just, just different. And I think if you can, if you can do well in Michigan, like you won't have a problem getting on bucks in Ohio, like, and, and this is awful because this is what you're not supposed to do on a podcast saying like, yeah, just go to Ohio. Everybody go to Ohio. Yeah, right, so, right, yeah, right. Yeah, no, I Pick get the year, it. the whole thing. It. Um, but no, it's, it, but there's it's a truth fun. to that. There's a truth to that for sure. Um, I'm curious cause we, I, you know, I've never really done a lot of state property, you know, hunting. How do you approach that? Like, how do you, 
how do you guys make the determination of where you're going to go and how, how you're going to set up your hunt to be successful? Well, are you talking in state or out of state? Out of state. So well, let's say you're going to Ohio for the first time. What are some tips that you would give or, or Indiana or Illinois or whatever? Well, not everybody needs to go to Ohio because we've got to leave some property for Adam. Uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, what are some tips that you would give other people as to like, these are the musts in order to really figure out, you know, how to hunt state property and what you should and shouldn't do? Well, again, take this all with a grain of salt because you're talking to the world's worst bow hunter here. So it's just yeah, who shot a bigger buck than probably all of us. But I get it. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just the the way that it is. But what I mean, obviously, I, and you guys are too. You're in a great position to to talk to these guys and and listen. So I we focus specifically on big buck killers that do it consistently on public ground, uh, and so there's a lot of consistencies with these guys. And that's what I did. Like when I went to Wisconsin last year, I mean, I sat five times and saw bucks on four of the sits. So that was never going there. Um, I went down there and met up with some guys that they had, they already had a piece of property locked in, but it wasn't big. It was a small piece of property. And they found that property by hunting some of the other stuff and then talking to the the locals in the bar and said, you know, okay. where are you guys seeing big deer? Um, that sort of thing. What a lot of these big buck guys do and what I did when I was approaching Wisconsin was I looked at all of the big pieces of public that are there. The bigger the piece of the property, the easier it's going to, the more people it can hold. So there can be trucks at every one of the trailheads, but if there's 5,000 acres, there's going to be some acres where the deer can hide and you just need to figure out where the deer want to be. But so that day I didn't hunt, I hunted one time on the property that they were hunting and it was just a time frame thing because it was too far to go where I was hunting. But these guys, they go and they don't take, even with that five, basically five sits, there was no point in me going into an area just on a spot that I picked out on a map that I thought looked good and sitting there. So I drove, I, I found this when I woke up, I, I knew that there were some areas, but I looked at the biggest piece of property that I could find. I looked at like some of the terrain features that I thought I could figure out. So I looked for some big ridges with some saddles and then what looked like agriculture. And then I wanted water. So there was, a big creek going through it and this we were so far in wisconsin like from the top of this bluff where we were at I, it was the mississippi river and then it was iowa so we i oh, mean okay. so that's that's where we were at and i i drove in and lo and behold the first place that i stopped the first ridge that i was looking at there was a truck from michigan parked right there so i was like okay so i just drove down to the next draw walked in and then i just kind of scouted my way in but I looked to see how many boot tracks there were, how many, how many, you know, little Debbie wrappers or beer cans or whatever were at the, the trailhead, how many boot tracks were, were walking in there. If I was seeing any man sign, whatever, but I was also looking for deer sign. I was looking for rubs and scrapes and that sort of stuff. I walked in there, saw uh, a coyote, some little buck sign. I didn't see a ton of, I didn't see a ton of deer sign at all. And so, rather than just say this looked good on the map it looked okay 
maybe I can see a deer here. It wasn't worth me sitting there. So I just got in my truck. I drove down the road, got up, uh, you know, base map or Spartan floor Geronics or whatever you use. And I went to the next one and there was a little tiny piece of public there. And I walked that whole piece there was a big community scrape and there was a bunch of bucks sign there, but it was really small. So it would only, um, like basically one guy could hunt it. And I ran into a guy on a four wheeler that was hunting down the road. And he said, Oh yeah, that's a good spot. You know, my buddy's hunting over there. So, okay. Scratch that one off the list. So I drove all the way around to the other side of this big thing where the, there was the Creek. So I figured there wasn't going to be a lot of people that were crossing that Creek. Well, the Creek was too big for me to, to cross. It was probably waist deep, but I, I just got in there, followed some runways until I found some good, fresh deer tracks, deer sign, got up a tree and had about a 130 chase a, a doe, you know, oh. 80 yards from me, right into the thicket. But it didn't come by me, but I was, I was in the game just based on that. One of the things I didn't take into consideration is because of the, all the time that I spent doing all the other stuff. I was walking around in the woods when everybody else was, you know, at the tavern or, or whatever. So they had come back in for their night hunt. So when I went back in, in the morning, there was a truck here, truck there, truck here. And so I was trying to get back in the game and I just kept running into there's a guy here, saw a light. So I just got in the truck, did a bunch of driving around and just didn't really find what I was looking for. So then I walked into, I ended up finding the one place where I could cross that Creek crossed it and went into the nastiest stuff that I could find but it wasn't in and in that nasty stuff there was tons of deer sign there was everything but I did, didn't look like you know and this was I don't know yeah so it, I left October 31st so this is the first three days of November so I wasn't necessarily I was looking for you know scrapes something so I just followed the deer sign followed the buck sign followed the rub lines until I popped out on this other ridge like and one of the things that i've uh parker mcdonald he does the uh southern ground podcast when i talked to him one of the things he said he looks for is like the four corners so if he's like the x marks the spot when you have all these different terrains coming together in one spot you know deer are edge creatures so that's going to be a, a place where people are moving a lot of times that'll be a thermal hub or something like that and as i popped up and out there was a pine thicket there was a, like a grass field there was a ridge that came down and then there was that big nasty stuff that i'd come out of and then i just followed the little rub line and then all of a sudden i saw not a real tall rub but it was as big around as my leg and then there was scrapes all over right there there was a big community scrape and i'm like this is the spot the road was right next to me but that was the best sign that i'd found and then I saw two bucks there. I could have killed it like, like an 80 inch eight point that was chasing does all around in front of me. And then there was a much bigger, like beamed buck that was way down on the edge. Like if I were to go back there again, I would be right on the edge of where I popped out of the, the swamp. But, you know, I was hunting right over top of these two scrapes, right on a scrape line. So I, again, I wasn't that far out of the game. I just didn't have enough time to do it, but that's that's what I'm doing. And and one of the most cliche things about like listening to podcasts and I think as being a podcast host, like trying to get people to articulate is they say, well, just just hunt the hot sign. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And so 
it's it's one of those things that as you evolve as a hunter or whatever you're like you're gonna say i'm not in the game over here but this looks like it's happening right now and and that ended up you know being how it worked out for me um there but like in ohio same thing so we went down there and scouted and i figured out and this is this year not where we killed those big ones or anything like that but where where i killed that big one came from information from a squirrel hunter that we met at the bar after two of the guys had already tagged out the first year that we were there so those guys have a lot more information than you know anybody that you're going to talk to online or listen to you know that those guys you know that guy rides atvs and he's got private to hunt he just squirrel hunts and he said i always see big deer sign there there's got to be good deer there and it was really hard to access. It was a really weird access. And that's another thing that these guys do, these guys that are really successful. And, it, and again, I one of the things on my podcast is like, I don't pretend like I know what I'm doing. Like, this is just, I'm, I'm not speaking this as gospel of like, this is how you do it. Um, but this is what I've done and I've been close. So these guys are a little bit more nuanced and be able to figure it out. But there's they look for they drive around to all the places and see where there's trucks see where there's guys see where the pressure is coming from and then try and find another access maybe that is a little off the beaten path maybe that's a little bit more difficult maybe you've got to go up and over a few different things to actually get to the back side of this and that's why i was asking whether you're talking about out of state or here in michigan because there's a place that i hunt it's about an hour north of me but I just looked at a map and literally found the biggest piece of public ground that I could find that didn't have any roads like through it. And it's huge. And all along the roads where you can access it, there's trucks, there's night eyes, there's, you know, every single piece of man sign that you can find. But there's this one spot on the backside that I actually park across the road and have to corner hop to actually walk in but i can access the back side of it i have to walk about 300 yards through a cattail marsh to get there and then it comes up and then i'm right on the back side of what is basically a mile or a mile and a half to get to from the other main road so it's about an 800 yard walk through some really nasty stuff that's really difficult to navigate in the dark and all the everything that you've you know all the boogeyman stuff that you think about like walking through and getting lost and all of that like that's where i have to go through to to get to the this side of the property but it's it's trying to find that access that other people either don't want to go to or maybe is overlooked so no that makes a lot of sense and exactly what i was i was asking man it's 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 something we don't do a lot you know i don't have a lot of experience with that kind of pressure hunting it's usually you know we we got some private property and some clubs that we go to and that kind of thing. So, you know, what you're getting into, you get used to the property. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I would be extremely rusty at really trying to source out a new, new spot, right. And trying to figure out where to go and how to do it. And I think that's very helpful information. I, you know, I appreciate that. It's, it's something that I think happens a lot more than what people realize. I mean, I, to me, people hunting public property, uh, there's more people that hunt public property. I, I, that, that do that than don't, um, at least as, as far as what I've been seeing lately, you know, there's a lot of private land. There's a lot of guys that hunt private property and I get that, but I don't think people realize how many people do hunt public land and you can be successful doing that. I think Jay, you've done a fair bit of that in your, in your life, haven't you? 
Yeah, you know, Ron and I have done a few things like that, and um, especially up north. In fact, um, a couple of years ago, uh, we had an extra hunter come up, and he got jammed up, and there was really no room for him. So he picked this piece of state land, and it was cattail marsh area up, up near Alpena, Hubbard Lake area. And uh, he's like, you know what? He's like, I don't have my hip boots or anything like that. I'm not going to go too far in. And basically what it was is there was no there was no parking in that area, but there was access from the road. So he went in and just scouted a little bit and he was using his, uh, hanging stand, his climber, I mean, and, uh, not a hang on. And he just went in there and snuck in and he went in for the morning hunt the next morning. And he missed the biggest buck that he's seen up, you know, up in that area. Cause you know, that area of the, you know, Eastern Northern Michigan, there's just not a lot of big bucks. Um, and you know, he said it was probably, you know, 120, 130 inch swamp donkey, and yeah. he just, he had this thing come right in, you know, um, it came right. It, and like you said, it was an edge, right? So you've got the cattails and then it transitioned to hardwoods. And then up on the other side of that, there was a ridge coming down. So it was really, like you said, the X marks the spot looking back on it. Now it was a perfect spot that we just stumbled upon. And, um, you know, and we were riding him pretty hard cause he had nowhere to hunt. We're like, all right, we'll just drop you off on the side of the road here. Good luck, bud. And, uh, you know, he missed this deer. Um, it was, it was probably seven yards, but it was one of those ones where it was, um, just be, just be as the sun was coming up. So the peep site and everything like that, it was hard to see. And it was like, he gave it his best. He just zipped over the back of it and it was gone, you know, but he still talks about it and he's, you know, it actually opened our eyes up to wanting to explore that property, even more that state. Cause we have private land up there. We've hunted for years, but this piece of public that I'm talking about, you know, if you were to bring, um, you know, something like a, a canoe or a boat or something like that to access some of these other spots, man, I really think you could find some, some, some pretty decent deer out there. So it's just like you said, you know, if you want to put in the effort and go that extra mile, you'll open, you know, your doors to, to all different kinds of stuff that you wouldn't normally see if you just, you know, take the lazy route. So it was kind of neat, um, kind of stumbled across it, but we're going to, we're looking into doing a little bit more of that this year for sure. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's in a way, uh, both you, you, Jay, and Adam have said it. It's it's kind of getting out of your comfort zone a little bit, right? It's it's doing the things that you wouldn't normally want to do. You know, nobody really wants to work harder than anybody else to find the big deer, but when you're forced to do that, you get to see kind of the benefits of that extra work that you're putting in. And I I think that's part of it. Is if if you're if you're not going to do it don't expect success from it, right? If you're just going to go sit there and sit on the side of the road and just say, random spot, here we go, without looking at it, without kind of trying to figure out, is this the right spot? Do I like it? No, I don't. I'm going to back out. And I'm actually, I'm going to commit the backing out and then go somewhere else, which is a tough choice to make in and of itself because you're already there. You want to hunt and, and you, know, you, you start to talk yourself into, well, it could happen. It could happen, but you want to yeah. set yourself up for the best possible scenario. So Really good information. Um, Adam, I can't appreciate enough you joining us tonight. I know Dave had a duck out a little early, but uh, we, we survived it without him, as we always do. And <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate it, man. Adam, uh, <laughs> one more time, it, it's Bowhunter, Bowhunter Chronicles, obviously. But can you, where can we find you? Are you on all the podcast platforms? Where are you at? Yeah, everywhere. I mean, you can, if you type us in, if you type in Bowhunting Podcast on you know apple spotify everywhere you know we we are hosting with libsyn and i had quite a few uh listeners in india like one of our patreons is in switzerland like i don't know how um you know they come across this stuff but um yeah anywhere you know bowhunter chronicles podcast.com 
but Winter Chronicles podcast, Instagram, you know, all the all the places you can find us. You can, if you want to hear what not to do, if you want to make yourself feel great about the way that you're hunting and uh, listen to people um, who really know what they're doing and guys that know how to ask questions, but don't know how to kill deer and especially don't know how to kill turkeys with a bow. Um, check us out. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And that's exactly how I was going to close this out because you guys have so much information and great information for the everyday bow hunter. Right. And then that's really what you're going for. Um, you know, I listen to your stuff myself. It is great information, no matter who's talking. And I, uh, you know, I just, I can't appreciate it enough, man. Thank you for joining us tonight. Sure. Not a problem. Anytime. As usual. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the bow Hunter planet podcast. Your support is so appreciated. If you love our tree and bow hunting, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media as we have a lot more great content to share. We'll see you soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.